Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Today I was going to be talking about some of the uh, ideas around VR rendering. I've been just getting into that after recording a ton of, um, of 4K, I think actually 5.2K video with the GoPro Fusion. I've just talked about a lot of that stuff on the last flash briefing, but today I've been bringing it over onto my MacBook Pro, which is really quite a, a modern uh, version of the computer. And I think uh, as many of the pros comment recently, it's probably the better iteration of the MacBook Pro for the last number of years. I'll get into that and some of the Apple WWDC news just in a few seconds. But for some of the VR rendering that I'm doing on it, without maybe a dedicated graphics card to push through it as you know at a faster clip it takes a long time so i'm trying to export 360 degree equo rectilinear video footage in uh, in 4k mp4 file formats what is I don't know, in H.264 to, to throw in some other term that uh, this you know, someone might not understand. Um, but uh, I've been trying to do that all overnight. So I've been using a, I've been using a command. If you have a Macintosh, this is a good one to learn. If you go into your terminal, um, I think you can use the, the command caffeinate, just the word caffeinate, and then space dash D, and that will force your MacBook or your iMac or you know, your, your, your Apple computer to, uh, to remain on and to not go to sleep under the, the normal circumstances that your settings would have uh, precluded it to do. So it's a really cool, uh, cool little bit if uh, you're just trying to make your computer stay on or force it to, to stay on for a longer amount of time. Um, it leaves the screen on too. You gotta, I don't know, you gotta do your your little F F one F two thing or something to turn that down. But uh, it works really well though. I've been using that to to leave the computer on and have it running so that it can be churning through some of these uh, 4K rendering jobs that I have the computer set up to do overnight while I'm sleeping. So I put the computer out in another room, and then I have uh, you know like a queue of video set up for it to stitch together. This GoPro stitching stuff for the GoPro Fusion software is really intensive. I you know the Oh man, Ugh. I'll get into that some other time. But man, the stitching software is just, into, I mean, and you imagine what it has to do to stitch hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of frames all in like 5K or something to make it almost like, you know, like seamless or, you know, make it look good instead of just some kind of blurry line. So I'm amazed that it can do any of that sort of stuff at all. But uh, it's, you know, it's fascinating as it is. But it takes a long time and it's interesting to get to the point where you're like, oh man, this computer can't really do like a professional job like this. And that's where you think, you think, you think you almost hit the limit of uh, the need for computing or, you know, the need for a lot of the, the processor speed or the, I don't know what it would be, the, the, the specs of a computer. And you think that for a lot of web-based um, desktop publishing stuff or, or you know, phone-based mobile publishing stuff, we've really need, maxed out the need for uh, the speed of a lot of the components. But then you come into a position like this where you're starting to do higher level compiling or higher level rendering of uh, either like, you know, compiling like a, a code base or something or um, trying to render out some of these higher file format um, video files. You really notice like how long it takes and how much you, you would really have an improved job by having a, an improved machine. And so I think that's where like a lot of stuff like the, the, the pro line of Apple uh, hardware comes into play like the uh, the iMac Pro that came out earlier this year and that's I I don't know I guess it's been semi well received by some of the pros there's just that huge part where you can't uh, upgrade it you know it's definitely an iMac computer so it's it's going to be strong and you know I guess capable at uh, video or uh, capable at the Thunderbolt expansion to whatever that would mean for you 
um, but it doesn't really have uh, expandable slots or you know ex expandability within the frame of the computer. And even really the uh, the cylinder Mac Pro didn't have the expandability that they thought it would have. And I think that was also part of the the, the graphics card architecture that they use doesn't really ended up getting updated. There's there's a whole kind of snafu around stuff around that where that's why that computer didn't really get updated in the 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 fashion that they maybe thought it would have. And that's I think why like a lot of the more modern uh, 5K monitor iMacs are faster computers or higher spec computers have, uh, I guess, a newer generation architecture uh, for their, their core processor than even the, the, the highest spec cylinder MacBook Pro would at this point. I guess given that it came out, what, 2013 and hasn't really seen a, a whole update yet since then. So, or I don't know, minor update, you know, like kind of, um, you know, just uh, simple component stuff, but, but, it, but not, it was just kind of s internally within the spec, but I don't think there's actually been like an actual rendition that's been new from that yet. So that kind of brings me, I guess, to the last point, which is that Apple's WWDC is supposed to be coming up here real soon in uh, just the beginning part of June here. And that's when we're supposed to get some information about, I guess it would be the, the developer preview for iOS 12 and some of the, the news or rumor, or well, I guess rumors would be currently what they are after WWDC is when we're going to get the uh, confirmation from Apple about the direction in design and uh, feature choice that's going to be going into iOS 12. And maybe we'll get some hints on the types of devices or the, I don't know, maybe it's going to lean heavily to AR. Maybe it's going to lean heavily to the gesture format that we've started seeing in the iPhone X um, kind of versioning of, uh, of iOS 11. I don't know yet, but uh, hopefully we'll see some Siri improvements. Seems like that's gotten long in the tooth uh, after a little while, especially kind of starting to see now given, you know, like this and what the Echo is capable of. And well, I guess some of those Google demos that we saw a few weeks ago about uh, artificial intelligence parsing the, the, the verbal cues of what people are saying and trying to have that fill out a form of, uh, of data. It's interesting stuff. You can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. I saw, what have I been seeing? I saw a helicopter. There's a thunderstorm. That was like when I was last doing a podcast, right? So there was like a, a big time thunderstorm that was rolling through that last camp that I was at when I was podcasting and then um, rained a bunch after that. That was nice. Stayed nice and dry and pretty warm in the truck and the truck canopy and stuff. Waited out the rain. Then it cleared off just like a couple hours later as that, that thunderstorm system moved past us. And then, yeah, cleared off, got cold, got pretty cold. Uh, I layered up and I walked out into that field now with you know a ton of wet grass and stuff. Uh, walked out there, brought the heater like I was talking about, and uh, posted up out in that meadow uh, to check out the stars and stuff from there. You can see Scorpio, uh, almost all of Scorpio. It's really cool when you got a strong southern view of the sky. And from this area in Oregon, you can't quite see the dip in the, the tail of Scorpio as it kind of scoops down and then comes back up with the stinger at the end. Um, you just barely, or I don't know, you 
you can uh, you can you can definitely imagine how it kind of scoops around but yeah at, at where it is now at this time in august i think it's uh it's kind of tipping over and uh gone not visible in that spot but uh i think i can see um what was it jupiter you see just past sagittarius as you look into the south then near that just a little bit further over to the east on that same uh ecliptic line you see saturn um and i think they're both near the position where they'd be at opposition they're not as bright as they were a few years ago you notice uh, but they're still really bright really cool to see and then if you stay up late enough maybe around midnight or so uh, you'll see mars rise over on the eastern horizon and it looks real, real coppery red and really noticeable, really cool. But uh, I think it came up right about the same, or I don't know, about an hour or so after the moon rose last night. So tonight it'll probably rise uh, along the same location as Mars. That's interesting. Yeah, 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 I would. Uh, but it was cool checking out that stuff. Uh, and I was checking it out uh, the other night after that thunderstorm out in that field. So uh, it was kind of fun kind of staying up and, and checking out some stuff but then I uh, I went to bed and then I got up the next morning and this was what was really cool is I, I looked out the field I hadn't really seen any animals out there I'd heard a few a few birds of you know like a raven and a couple other things I think I heard a turkey gobble I'm not sure though but I looked out looked across the field and I saw the two of the biggest birds I have ever seen they are they are the biggest birds I've ever seen um, I'm really not sure what it is it looks like similar to a blue herring so i figure it's some kind of herring maybe it's a crane uh but i would i would guess if it was standing up it would be almost four feet tall it really looked like a small deer or a dog like in, in mass and size uh, as you you know kind of like the feathery body of it It wasn't puffed up in a big way but there are two of them and yeah it looked like dinosaurs out there in this middle of this field i've never seen a bird like that it looked like um like a a blue herring that was about twice as high. I see a buck. It's at my two o'clock, walking to my three o'clock. One point, two point, three point, four point. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a two or three point buck. Ah, he doesn't see me. That's cool. Little buck cruising through. I think it's a mule deer out here. I saw like a group of mule deer down in the lake bed this morning. And when I started rustling around, they, they all kind of started to run off. Or one of them kind of got excited and then ran off. They're they probably like two or 300 yards from me. And uh, I pulled up the binoculars and I was scouting them in. And yeah, they were just booking it across this uh, open lake bed. And then they got tired and stopped and I don't know started eating grass like almost right away so it's kind of funny how they they kind of move around but yeah this guy's like i don't know like 200 feet walking around camp cool dude thanks for camping with me um what was this in two giant birds i saw these two giant birds thunderbirds they were awesome they were brown kind of sandy tan colored and they had um, like a beaked face, like a real pointy beaked face, really similar to a blue herring. It looked like it looked like an emu or an ostrich or something out in this field. It was giant, um, but it looked, I'd say, like 
I've seen a lot of blue herrings. They're way more slender than this. This really had that kind of big, kind of round, full-bodied thing. And then it had that craned neck, that kind of that S-curved craned neck. And it was uh, just kind of on the ground, walking with its buddy. And they were cruising around, poking at the ground, trying to, I don't know, get grubs or whatever. But uh, but yeah, really cool to see them. And then, so I, I was watching them for a bit. I had them in the binoculars. I think I got a, a couple pictures. But like I was explaining in that last podcast, smartly, I have a wide angle lens with me, which is 17 to 40 millimeters. So I was way out, super wide. Um, so you just, I saw, you know, no telephoto in my back. So didn't get the wildlife shot that would have been cool, which is fine. And I accept, but um, I did get a couple pictures of it that probably poorly show uh, two big things out in the distance. And it, I mean, it looks like it could be dogs, could be deer or it could be birds. So <laughs> uh, it was pretty awesome to see. But as I walked out a little bit, I exposed myself into the sunlight. Uh, they got they got sight of me. And then they, they both let out these for like maybe 30 seconds to a minute or so. They both just kind of stood around and, and made these sort of warning or territorial croaks. These like, um, these like three beat croaks that would just echo across this whole uh, this whole valley that, or this whole meadow area that I was in, it, you know, it just carried on for acres. They were probably like an acre or two away from me at that time. And, uh, yeah, they just let out these loud croaks kind of, I don't know, warning that they saw a, a standing dude predator out in the distance. But yeah, then they kind of sauntered. They didn't take flight, but they just kind of sauntered back off up into the hill, uh, up into the tree line. And then I, I took back myself back up into the tree line by my truck made another cup of coffee that morning and then I saw him uh, kind of popping out again and poking around that uh, that meadow again but it was really cool giant birds I really would say they're like four feet tall body mass section it seemed like about two feet or so and you know like kind of on their leg maybe 24 inches off the ground yeah it just seemed like a really big bird If, if I was standing right next to it I'd be like whoa man this is this is a real critter so it was fun. I've never seen a bird like that out there before. I've heard about some of those or some birds like that before. I remember hearing like a, it's like a you know, colloquial family story that I think uh, like a great uncle of mine had had, probably similar to this area too, which is interesting. I like that. But uh, he said that he had woken up one morning and looked out and saw these prehistoric looking thunderbirds, he called them. And <laughs> I think I had an experience like it too. I think it was fun. I'm sure it's totally a normal animal that's probably used to being around a lake or something. You know, that's sort of what it seemed like is is just like a giant pelican or crane or something that you would see out by the ocean. But to see out here just walking around sagebrush in a field in a meadow at 7.30 in the morning, it's just like, whoa, wow, look at that. I thought I'd see a deer out there. But no, giant birds. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it if you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash Billy Newman photo. I bought a domain name, uh, 
nightskypodcast.com. And so I'm trying to build a pretty simple WordPress site that can uh, host a lot of the information about that podcast and about that project as a whole. So it'll be pretty basic, and it's it's not supposed to be something that's um, it's hugely complicated by any means. But I'm interested in you know just trying to trying to make some different graphics and, and make uh, some explanation of the the podcast and sort of how it works just to kind of differentiate it a little bit. And so um, as just like a, a side project and a hobby, I'm trying to put it together. But uh, I've been trying to find out some ways to do that in an easier way. So I've already built um, about three or four pretty usable WordPress websites. And what I was hoping to do was trying to try to take a lot of that that work that I had already done and then migrate that over to this new Night Sky podcast website that I'm trying to put together. Um, along with another site that I'm trying to put together, I'll get to get, I'll, I'll probably talk about that in the next podcast. But um, for this Night Sky podcast website, uh, what I was hoping to do was take like a lot of the the way that I've customized the theme that I'm using and a lot of like the page layout stuff that I've already put together for let's say my Billy Newman photo website, and I want to try and find a way to migrate that over to this Night Sky site, and then strip out the parts that uh, won't be the same. You know, I'll replace the graphics, replace a lot of the the layout stuff in a way that would be unique and bespoke to the way that I want this Night Sky podcast website to go but it's a little better than or it's, it's a lot less work it's saving me a ton of time so that i don't have to go back through and make customizations to each of the of the fields associated with the site in a way that would be uh, like brand new to it so um so i'm trying to learn about that a little bit what i've been uh, trying to do is find out i guess different ways to do that so one thing that i ran into while I was trying to do a bunch of this troubleshooting on my site um, over the last couple of weeks was um, that I'm really in need of making backups of my WordPress sites. And so what I, what I went through and did is I, uh, I made, and I'm sure there's, there's ways within WordPress to do this, but I was using a plugin um, that's, and you should let me know if, if anybody's listening out there and they've had experience uh, doing backups of their WordPress site, uh, you should let me know what was the most effective. There's, um, there's like the cPanel backup that I've made uh, from the server side where I backed up the files that were associated with the website. And so hopefully that could be restored in a way that would be useful. But there's also some complications that I think I've run into with that. And it wasn't really as user-friendly as I wanted it to be. And the restore points, I, I don't know, I, it didn't really feel like it worked for me as well as I had hoped it would. Um, but it, but it did, it did uh, come in use. It, it was very useful for me to do that uh, when I did run into problems and I wasn't able to access the site. Um, so I'm glad I had those backups uh, of the cPanel. But if I do still have access to the 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 WordPress dashboard of my website, what I'm hoping to do is use um, this plugin system that I found. Uh, and I'm sure like a million other people, according to what it said, uh, have found it also. But I'm using this plugin called Updraft Plus um, to try and make to try and make backups of my WordPress pages. So I went through and I made backups of each of the the WordPress websites that I've created so far. And first, that was the BillyNewmanPhoto.com website. Uh, and then in addition to that, there was uh, goldenhourwedding.com. So I made backups of the both of those. And then there's another two websites that I'm still kind of working on, uh, and I want to I try and make those new. But I did make backups of those also, and I, I was able to save those on my server, but I was also able to download those to my local drive and put those on, a, on an external hard drive. And the great thing is is that uh, I can version those backups. So when I make 
adjustments or when I make updates to my site and I want to make another backup of it, it'll make a, I can make a backup and then I can download that and that'll be like the, the up, you know, oh, this was in January 2019, but with all these extra co- pieces of content and with all these extra additions to the site, this will be the backup I make in February 2019, something like that. Um, what I'm trying to figure out, though, is, uh, and I think what I've discovered is that um, what I want to do is take a backup of my WordPress site, let's say in this case, the BillyNewmanPhoto.com backup, and I want to use that to, to clone and then migrate that over to the NightSkyPodcast.com website. And so I think I found a way to do that even within Updraft Plus. Now, the Updraft Plus plugin offers a premium service where you can purchase the ability to do... Uh, a database migration for I think thirty dollars. It's not thirty dollars per site, but I think it's thirty dollars for the plugin, and then you get uh, support from that plugin developer for some period of time. I think it's like six months on the low end, and then and then if you need support for a longer amount of time, I think it's more money than that. Um, there's probably some caveats to it, but that is a, an option that I'm trying to explore right now. Is if I'd want to go through that process of using the Updraft Plus plug-in to do a migration of my site where I can bring in a lot of the, the theme customizations, the theme itself, the, and uh, the I guess the, the database with the updated database um, over to the Night Sky podcast website. And it could be an easy sort of one-click solution for it, but I'm also trying to look around and see if there's other ways for me to do an import or a clone of the website. Uh, and the website data so that I can bring in a lot of the information but maybe leave out a lot of pieces that I won't need because I'm not really trying to make an, an exact duplicate or an exact copy. I'm just trying to bring over uh, certain elements that would, that would be that have already been adjusted in a way that I don't really want to have to do the work over for. So if I could just kind of bring in this draft of a website version that's almost everything complete in the way that I want and then delete the content that was on the blog, delete the, the pieces that were you know over in this section of the site, rewrite an about page and a couple paragraphs over here, recreate some graphics, then um, then I would have I, what would seem like a familiar site that would be uh, on brand, but it would also be a, you know, a new site that would have a lot of new content on it, and it would just uh, kind of remain the way that I wanted it to. So that's sort of the hope that I'm trying to go for. And I guess that the, the Updraft Plus plugin um, creates like XML files for you to use and um, I don't know how it really works, but I think if you break open the file uh, that you downloaded, you can go through and then and then there's an alt- an alternate way of making an upload for that sort of stuff. But I guess the problem is is like the database. So if uh, you're migrating a site, it's really expecting all those domain names to be what they had been in the past and not migrated or not a, a set of new links that have this new domain name. So everything's going to link back to another site that it's not it's not at. So the database of it's just not going to make sense. And I think that's what this migration tool is supposed to help you do. So I'm looking into that and I'm hopeful that, uh, that I can kind of put that together pretty quickly. I'm, I'm also trying to be conscious of my time a little bit too, so that, uh, uh, I don't spend like a huge amount of time in development trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to go through and fix a bunch of errors that might be created if I try and uh, do a restore of, uh, a backup or a clone of my other site and try and migrate that over to this new domain. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way where I don't have to really worry about that all, all that much, but I'm still going to do some more research. It's going to be an ongoing, prog- um, an ongoing project, and I will update you in this podcast on my progress. That's what I figure. So I'm going to do that with uh, another site, too. I, I think I might have mentioned it yesterday that we're starting the Golden Hour Experience podcast. 
And we've also started the goldenhourexperience.com website. And so I'm going to try and go through the same process over on that site so that I can import a bunch of the settings that I have from goldenhourwedding.com and uh, try and put it together in a way so that uh, I get to save a bunch of time and not have to redevelop a WordPress site um, from scratch again. So that's the hope of it. And it could work. It seems like if I, if I pay just a little bit of money, I can make it work, uh, which might make it worth it, I figure. The other news that uh, I was going to get to was uh, some stuff about ebooks. I'm sure you're excited now. Thanks for listening to all this. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there. Some stuff on the homepage. Some good links to other other outbound sources. Some some links to books. Some links to some podcasts. Links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.